Happy New Year! My goodness! I don't know if you know this, there are places where it is not freezing cold. I spent a week visiting my family in Virginia and Tennessee, and uh, that was a lot of fun for our family to be away and uh, just to connect with them. I don't get to see all of them very often, so that is good. Um, my, both, both my sisters and all their kids, they just gathered in my mom's house, and we had a big chaotic mess of a time. It was so much fun. And uh, after 13 hours in a van on the, on the day after New Year's, I'm home and ready to go. But it just feels good to be gathered with God's people, to be home with the church family again. I don't know if you know this, my Eagles made an improbable run to the, to the playoffs with a group of guys that used to work at Stewart's scooping ice cream. And so we're excited about what's happening. And this is the first Sunday of the new year. Which means, for all those of you who are like me, a little bit OCD, a little bit type A, get real excited about your checklist, this is like resolution time, right? We get all excited about looking back over the past year, looking forward with faith and vision about what's to come, and laying out steps, Lord willing, that we're going to take in order to accomplish what we feel God leading us to do. Some of you, that might be fitness. Some of you might be spiritual health. Some of you might be relational. Some of you, it's career moves that you're planning to make. But many of us have spent some time over the last week or so pondering where we've been and what God's done over the last year and what we hope to see him do in the year to come. So this morning, because it's the very first gathering of 2020, we're going to be taking this time as a church family to reflect on some of the bigger items over the past year, to celebrate what God has done, to give him glory for the ways that he has intervened when he didn't have to, and then also to look forward to what's coming. So here's the big plan for today. We're going to paint a picture of 2019, kind of a synthesis of what we've seen God do, and that's a lot of fun. And then we're going to look forward to 2020 and and kind of explain to you some, some goals that we've established for our church family, and that's a lot funner. And then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together as a statement of unity and consecration that we're going to set ourselves apart for this year and and to see God work. We're going to set ourselves apart so that we could see the work of God in our lives and in our church family. So we've got a lot of ground to cover, and I get real excited about these days, so let's just jump in, shall we? Don't want to miss anything. 2019 general synopsis of the last 12 months was actually a wonderful encouraging time for our church family. It was a year of growth. When it comes to average attendance and and, uh, participation in our programs, slowly creeping up. We're not lighting the world on fire, but slow and steady does win the race, right? And so line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, we're growing as God is bringing new people to our fellowship. People who hear what we're about, who sense the love of God in this place and want to join us and partner with us. And so they're jumping in wherever they can. That's been very, very encouraging to us. But bigger than just numeric growth, it's been a year of growth in our experience of Christ. So many of us, myself included, have found this past year to be a time when God has revealed himself to us in new and deeper ways. In grief, in joy, in trials. Some of you are here this morning walking through some deep trials. It's only by the grace of Jesus that you're even here today. God is revealing himself to us in those things as well. We've seen a slew of baptisms over the past year as God is saving people by his grace and leading them to follow him in baptism. We have more folks getting ready. 
We've, we've seen more people step into serving roles in the church, using their gifts to say, hey, this is what I have to offer. However the Lord can use it here, I want to be a blessing to this church family. But in addition to being a year of growth in that sense, it's also been a year of challenges. Our church family has suffered the loss of loved ones. Great examples. We've had health scares. Some of us have battled seasons of depression and anxiety. Some of us have been walking through divorce and the terrible aftermath of that life-altering experience. It's been a year of challenge. Some of you faced financial strain, the loss of jobs, unexpected health expenses. And yet in the midst of all the challenges, God is here with us. He has been with us. And we are here today, still standing because greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And although the enemy seeks to rob, to steal, to kill and destroy, to tear from us the very joy of our lives, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And even in the midst of trial, I will supernaturally and spiritually allow you the power and the strength to smile and to rejoice even as we go through challenges. It's been a year of provision. God has seen our needs and met them. He has brought comfort to the grieving, providing that. He's brought peace to the unsettled and the frightened. He's brought new morning mercies to those who weren't sure if they'd make it through that day. He's brought beauty from ashes. He's turned our mourning into dancing. He's provided for us financially. God has been gracious to our church family. We were able to meet our needs and through the faithful gifts of the church even tackle some big improvements like busted elevators. Thank you for your patience. One of the great joys of that is we had a sizable donation that came in. If you remember correctly, it was a $10,000 donation that came in. And somebody called me and said, hey, I, we, we want to make this gift. And I said, man, that's so great. And he said this. He said, this to us is an issue of access. People need to be able to get there, to hear the message of Jesus, to hear the gospel. And without that available to them, certain people in our community will not have the option to sit under the teaching of the gospel. So they were willing to sacrifice deep in order to make that happen. What a gift. God is providing, he has provided for our church. But there, So those are some general things. But, but when we think back over the past year, there are some specific things that we were targeting. And it's always good to ask the question, how did you do on those? Now, those of you who know me know that I'm, I tend to be, if Pastor Duke is a glasses half full kind of guy, I am a glasses half empty and the water is suspect. Like there's Cheetos floating in there because my kids have been backwashing in it. Like there are two very different ways of looking at life, right? I've said all the time, if I'm ever lost on a desert island, don't bother come looking for me. Even if it's been 10 minutes, I've given up, right? And so some of us are just pessimists. Now, if I wanted to today, I could fill the next half hour with things that are going wrong that we need to fix. That's the way my mind works. But I'm going to choose today to highlight what is good and noble and excellent and praiseworthy. I'm going to choose to highlight the things, the places where God showed up in line with the efforts that we were producing. So if you remember, we talked last year about how we're going to build our ministry around, around stable anchors. We, we called them anchors. That, that there was something, a foundation of our ministry that was going to be set in and resolved and wasn't going to move. We said that the anchors that we were going to build around were our weekend worship services, an exceptional ministry to youth and kids. 
God has made us a church full of young children and students. We are going to respond by being exceptional in the way we minister to them. We said we were going to do that through life groups as the centerpiece for adult discipleship. All of it influenced by the Bible and supported by healthy systems that allow us to keep moving. And we said if we could do that, we believe that God would allow us to create a rhythm for our church family a gathering, a pattern of engagement with the body of Christ that people could draw from the church what they needed to and could give to the church what God has called them to give in terms of their spiritual gifts, their time, their talents, their treasures, things like that. So we've, we focused a lot of our energies there. We did a ton more other things, but behind it all, that was the steady diet. And that doesn't sound all that glamorous, and we, when we unveiled it last year, we talked about that too. This isn't all that glamorous, but the truth is, the, the most successful things in life aren't really glamorous. Right? I, I listened to a podcast the other day. Some guy proved this point, right? In order to lose weight, you have to create a caloric deficit. You can do that a million different ways. Some of you are like, no, no, you have to do keto. No, no, you have to be a vegan. No, you have to go paleo. You know what? There was a guy who did the Twinkie diet. He ate nothing but junk food, created a caloric deficit, and his blood sugar dropped, and his blood pressure dropped, and he lost weight. He hardly ate anything because there's so many calories in candy, but he ate garbage and got healthy because it's simple. Some of you are worried about your finances. It's easy. Spend less than you make. My goodness. You don't even have to pay me for that. All right, here it is. Here it is. Ready. We created those anchors because we believed that if we just created a basic rhythm of dipping our toes into the streams where God has promised to move, that we would find him there. And when we gather together with his people and we study his word and we give ourselves to practicing the one another's of scripture and we train up our children in the way they should go, he has promised to meet us there. And so we built our whole ministry around that. And we're going to continue to do that. But here are some things that we saw in the last year. I, I polled our staff recently, the, the people who are responsible for those big anchors, and I said, could you tell me where we saw some of the successes? What are we celebrating? You guys know Heather Fitzsimmons. She, was, she grew up here. She was part of our youth group here. She went away. She got a college education, and she married Michael, which is really the, the only blemish on her record. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Heather, Heather serves as our kids director, and she does an amazing job. Here's what she said about the kids ministry this year. She says, we've had 12 kids make a decision of salvation or to reaffirm that decision in our Newtown Kids programs over the last year. Children coming to faith in Jesus because they understand the Bible and understand the gospel's call on their lives. This has been our fourth year using the Gospel Project curriculum, our third year using a program called Team Kid, and it's been inspiring to see our children make the connection that the Bible is one big story that points directly to the Gospel. Kids are also growing in their knowledge of basic theology and spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible study. She says, it's a joy for me to watch our team of volunteers grow stronger together as they minister to our kids and allow me to take a step back and observe God working in and through them. How many of you are part of our kids' ministry in any way, in any shape or form, part of our kids' ministry? If I show hands, look around. See that army of people? Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. God has honored our efforts in training up our children 
with his gifts of grace, and we're watching it happen right before our eyes. You guys know Tyler, right? You guys know Tyler? Okay. Tyler is our youth, youth and families pastor. He's been on our team for a couple years now, three and a half. I asked him to, to paint some highlights for us. What are, what are some of the biggest things that you're celebrating this year? He talked about invert. That three years ago we started with 20, remember our local mission trip that we do in Cohoes and Mechanical this year? Three years ago we started with 24 of our students, three mission projects and one camp. This past summer we had six churches, close to 250 students and leaders involved with a dozen mission projects, two different camps running simultaneously. Expanding the camp to Mechanicville was a huge win, something we'll be able to continue to build upon. We saw 16 kids pray to receive Christ as their Savior. And just this past week, we delivered 70 gifts to Manor and J.S. Moore Housing Authorities for Christmas to continue our gospel ministry in those communities. When Tyler joined our team, he said, what do you want, what does success look like? And I said, listen, success looks like gathering our kids together, holding them in groups and building community with them and teaching them to serve. He's expanding the reach. God through his mercy, is moving in our youth ministry and teaching them what it means to serve and to be evangelists and to carry the gospel into their community. Another exciting thing that our student ministry is experiencing is just growth, both physically and spiritually. Students are bringing their friends. I don't know if you've seen that building on Wednesday night, but it bounces and it thumps. There's children and students everywhere. So the numbers have grown. And this year we have six new youth leaders who are jumping in, doing what God has called them to do as they serve with students. Students are see, We're seeing students get saved. We're seeing them learn how to follow Christ. And one of the biggest ways to do that is helping them engage in our church. And so over the last year, we've seen more students serving in our church than we have in a long time. They help in the kids' ministry. They help teaching. They help greet. They play on the worship team. They work in the sound booth. They usher. It has been amazing to watch our students see themselves not as the church of tomorrow, but a part of the church today. And God is doing a great work there. We said we we're going to build around life groups and try to connect adults with adults there. Disciple them, encourage them, help them grow, give them relationships and fellowship. Mandy, who who has done an amazing job coordinating those efforts over these last few years, which really wasn't part of her job description, but has helped immensely. And Captain Hughes is stepping in as well to provide support there. Here's some things that we're, we're rejoicing in. We've added four new groups this past fall. When you, got, you might think, wow, it's four groups. That, okay, four groups. Four groups means somewhere between 10, and, uh, I'm sorry, 10 to 12 per group. Somewhere between 40 and 50 adults can now engage with who knows how many children. Our typical life group has 173 children. So that's 1,000 children and 40 adults, right? We've, we've created a space for new adults to connect, to grow together, to practice the one another's in relationship with each other. It just means that more people give an, get an opportunity to grow together, and we believe that people grow best when they grow together. But the thing that's most challenging and encouraging about that is the way that we've watched the care in those groups take off this year. Some of our people have walked through the darkest days of their lives. They've had marital distress. They've had mental health issues. They've faced loss. they faced disease. And they have received exceptional care from their life groups. And those same groups were with them on the best days of the past year. 
new babies and first homes, marriages. Being part of those groups allows you to experience the ups and the downs together, and we're providing for people to do that. We said we wanted all those anchors, the worship services, to grow. We wanted a, a, a dynamic sense of a Sunday morning gathering. Dynamic meaning that it moves, that it's not static, that it's not boring, that it's not lifeless. Some of us grew up in some lifeless places, right? I don't think anyone intended to make it lifeless, but it felt pretty lifeless to me, right? We don't want that to be said of us. We want people to, to walk in and sense that God is moving here, that he is alive and well here, that there is an activity here and a participation here. And we've seen God increase the level of participation. And how do we sense your participation? We hear you singing. We watch your body language. We see you participating with us in worship together. We've added new team members. We've, we've, we've made a lot of behind-the-scenes changes. Matt has really led the charge on a lot of behind-the-scenes changes that have enabled this team to be resourced well and equipped well so that they can serve you week to week. I hope that the preaching is okay. I'm not going to talk much about that. But when Tyler preaches or Duke preaches, it's amazing. So I guess it's going good. But we're excited about what God's doing. We want to, when people come here, we want them to know that God has spoken to them through his word. We want them to hear about his love for them in the gospel. We want them to join with us in worshiping God because we see who he is and what he's done. And we want them to be loved here with the love of God, biblical hospitality. People matter to us because they matter to God. So we want to go out of our way to make them feel welcome and create a place for them. All of that supported by good systems, right? Line, right? You only notice them when they do something wrong. But over the last year, we've faced some significant challenges behind the scenes. I stepped out of the, I stepped out of the office for nine weeks. And our, our staff held it together and did a fabulous job. In the midst of that, our elders have grown this year in their abilities to minister well to the congregation. It's a firm belief of mine that the church is best served when ministry is shared. Building teams, sharing that with, with fellow elders. One of, the greatest, one of the greatest joys is I'm not the pastor of this church. I am a pastor at this church. We have a host of men who shepherd this congregation. And they do a fabulous job with it. And they shone, they shone in that season where they stepped up and God used them in a powerful way. Our people are pretty awesome, Mike says. Mike Fitzsimmons is our business administrator. He handles all things business, which I don't know what that all means because that's, no, I do, I do. He, all those systems, financial, the logistical, the database stuff, the communication systems, he's, he's the, the hub of all that stuff. He says, you guys were amazing. And he pointed to a specific season. When the elevator finally gave up the ghost and went to be with Jesus. And we, we, we had, a, we had a, a sad day. We, we, we thought about what, do we can, what can we do? What's available to us? What's practical wisdom? What do we do? We went and opened a line of credit and said, listen, we have to have resource available just in case. And then we came to the congregation and said, here's where we are. Here's our plan. And we paid for it in cash because of your faithfulness to give where the Lord led. What a gift. What a gift. 
we rolled out a planning center update, which many of you don't know about, but if you have kids, you do. And it came with a new check-in system. It's got a new accounting software. It's got a new database software for us. Now it, we can run everything from like Pastor Duke's kitchen to the worship team, everything all in the same place. I can order you French fries right now if you want them, right here on my app, right? There's a new church center app that you can register for events and listen to stuff online. It, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff so that we can minister better to people here. It's been a good year. The Lord's been good. There's been challenges, but his faithfulness in it has been so sweet. And that gives us hope looking forward, doesn't it? Because this God, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I was reading in my, my Bible this morning in Joshua chapter 1. That's where my book of prayer daily office lectionary took me today. Don't, don't hate me. I, I, am, I am a Baptist at heart, but I have a little bit of a, apparently I have a little bit of Anglican in me somewhere too. But here's, here's what happened in Joshua chapter 1. God says to Joshua, because he's feeling a little timid. I don't know if you remember the story. Moses leads them for 40 years through the wilderness, and then Moses dies before they take the promised land. And now Joshua, who had been his assistant, steps forward to take the lead. Here's what God says. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, just for good measure, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Some versions say terrified. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Looking back on what he's done gives us hope for the future because he's promised he's not going to leave us or forsake us. He's promised that as we build our lives on the rock of Jesus Christ, as we obey and submit to the leadership of God through his word, we can make our way prosperous. That's not just financially prosperous, but it means that the purposes of God will be fulfilled in our lives. So what? Where are we going next? I am so glad you asked that question. That's like my favorite part of everything. What's next? My mom used to yell at me every day. I'd sit at the kitchen table and I was a little guy, and I'd sit with my butt half on the seat and one, one leg up underneath it, ready to run out. She'd say, Matt, just sit here. Enjoy what's in front of you. You're always racing to what's next. I'm 41 years old. I haven't stopped. I'm, I'm so excited about this. Forgive me, because sometimes I fail to finish what's behind me, but I'm excited about where we're going. Here it is. First thing you need to hear from me today. The anchors are set. We've worked really hard over the last few years to set them and establish that rhythm, and that rhythm is working, and it's, it's gathering and gaining momentum. So we're not backing up. Dynamic weekend worship services. Man, it'd be great if we added a couple more of these, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great to see another one of these on a Sunday, maybe in a Saturday evening? Wouldn't it be great to see more people coming, more need to, to preach the gospel to more people so we had to open up another service? Wouldn't that be awesome to see? We're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to build life groups as the centerpiece for adult discipleship. We have goals to see more launched. We'd love to talk to you if you're interested in leading one. 
We need you. We're going to continue to provide exceptional care to our kids and our students, ministering to the families that God has given us, entrusting that as we train up our children in the way they should go, that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Instilling in them the, the, the confidence that they are not some far off version of the church, but they're part of the church today. And they have value right here in our midst. Second, you need to hear today that our elder team is going to be working on some behind the scenes stuff. So you probably won't see a whole lot of it except when we get to like financial reports and business meetings and things like that. We're going to give a significant time and energy to focusing on a plan for greater financial stability and for improvements for infrastructure, things like buildings, facilities, our campus here. It's been, a t it's been a lean season for us for quite some time. And it's time now for us to turn our attention to how to strengthen that area. So our guys are working behind the scenes. We're seeking consultation with some of you who have expertise in these areas. We hope to see God meet our prayer and effort with his grace. And what would that look like? Well, that means that we'd be able to... Um, Increase giving, increase our reserves, take care of needs around the campus in ways that uh, don't put us in crisis points. Just like you're trying to do at your house. We're going to try to do here, work behind the scenes. God has been so faithful. You've been so faithful to give. We want to be increasingly faithful as we steward those gifts. That's it. Pray for us in that. We're very excited. I can't wait for you to hear some updates because there's some really cool stuff that's already happening. Before I even got here today, God is already working behind the scenes and doing some really amazing things there. So can't wait for you to hear that. Third, okay, so we got that, right? The anchors are set. The elders are working behind the scenes. We are the offensive line. Hopefully you won't notice us. All right, thirdly, and guys, this is what I'm most excited about today. Today we're going to announce and launch a year-long and church-wide plan to engage our congregation to grow deeper in the Lord. We were praying about how, how do we do this? How do we set goals? How do we set, how do we set before our people a vision for the next year that would cause them, if they followed our lead, to grow deep in the word, to extend the reach of this church into the community, to give cheerfully and sacrificially to those in need? How, how do we do something like that? And we racked our brains and spent some time with the Lord. And, and here's where we have landed today. We're going to challenge our people in 2020 with a three-pronged approach. We're challenging our people in 2020 to spend 20 minutes a day in Bible reading and prayer. I don't know if you know this or not, but the single greatest marker in a successful, successful, in a faithful Christian's life, we'll call it that, the single greatest marker in a faithful Christian's life is their relationship with the Bible personally. It's not their attendance at church. It's not how many classes they've taught. It's not how many certifications they get or how many Awana awards they have. The single greatest factor in somebody finishing well, persevering in Jesus, is their regular, consistent relationship with the Scriptures. Now, that's not very glamorous. That's like saying the healthiest people eat well and exercise. Yeah, you don't see much of that, but that's how it works. So we're going to challenge our people to spend 20 minutes a day in prayer and Bible study. Some of you have struggled for a long season establishing this rhythm. We're going to challenge our entire congregation to come with us, to join us. 20 minutes a day to read a chapter of the Bible, to ask some questions, journal about it, think about it, and then a time of prayer together. My, my guess is that if you spend 20 minutes, by the end of a couple months, you won't be just spending 20 minutes. 
My appetite has grown the more time I spend in the Word and in prayer, and it draws me to deeper study and to deeper prayer. Maybe some of you already have a consistent habit. Would you give us 20 more? Would you add one chapter a day that we're going to coordinate together? We're going to hear more about that next week. Would you add 20 minutes more to your routine? Would you pray with us on specific things together on a daily basis that God would move in power? I'll be laying out a more clear plan for that in greater detail next Sunday, but that's the first part of the challenge, 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day, and we will provide for you uh, a reading plan. So you don't even have to go find it. We, we can get it delivered to you. Michael is going to send pigeons to your house. He's going to drop. He's, he's been training pigeons for six months. Those things eat out of his mouth. No. I know, I just crossed that line. I should have... It should have been his hands. It should have been his hands. He loves them like his own children. All right. 20 minutes a day. You can do that, right? Yes, we can do that. 20 minutes a day. My guess is that by the end of this year, we're going to be giving testimony about how we're reading an hour, spending more and more time, carving out days of our week to give to the Lord because of what he's doing in those 20 minutes. 20 minutes a day. Secondly, we're going to challenge every giver, every family in our congregation to give an extra $20 a month. To give an extra $20 a month. God has called us to a reckless kind of generosity. A sacrificial type of generosity. A kind of give till it hurts generosity. Holding, holding the world with open hands, right? Nothing that we have at our disposal is ours. It's all been given to us and is to be used to be stewarded for his purposes. So we're going to ask that you give an extra $20 a month, cheerfully and sacrificially. But here's the catch. We have a lot of needs around here, and we could easily apply that right away to those needs, but we're going to trust God and do something a little bit different. We're asking you to give $20 a month so we can give the first $20,000 that comes in away. So we're going to ask you in a couple weeks for your advice on local ministries and organizations that we could bless with the money that comes in. And we'll trust that God will see our efforts and be good to us, be gracious to us. I've learned this through the years that you can't outgive God. And that he calls us and he says to us that if you'll so liberally if you'll hold with empty hands, open hands, the things of this world, if you will invest these treasures liberally, I will return it to you liberally. You will reap a liberal harvest. We're going to trust that God will provide $20 extra each month so we can give $20,000 away, and then the next $20,000 that comes in, and the next twenty dollars after that on top of our regular giving, we'll, start, we'll, we'll, we'll apply to things around here as they come in. You might say, Matt, I've never given anything. That's not part of my, my regular pattern. Then would you start with $20 a month? $5 a week? You can do it. It'll be a sacrifice, but you can do it. You might say, Matt, I'm in the habit of giving. I already get, would you give 20 more? 20 additional. We're going to find a way for, uh, you'll hear more about it in a couple weeks. There'll be a way that you can signify to us that this is the additional 20, the 20 more, so that we know how to track it and know how to give it away. $20 more, we can do that. Families, we can do this together with our kids. We, dads, we can lead our children to this. We can do this, $20 extra. So we're looking at 20 minutes a day, $20 a month. I see a theme going here. Thirdly, 
Come on. Did you really think I'd stop at two? Thirdly, 20 people. 20 minutes, $20, 20 people. You have people in your life. God has placed you where you are by his divine providence. And you might say, here, look, you don't know my brother-in-law. That's true. But I promise you it was God's will that you're in his life and sat across from him at Thanksgiving. Promise. You have people in your life every day that God has caused you to intersect with. People who are your wonderful friends, people who are just acquaintances, people who grind on your gears at work. You have people in your life who bounce into you every day. Have you ever paused to consider that God has sent you there into that web, that network of relationships to be salt and light right there? Here's what I'm going to ask of our congregation. Join me. Join our team. We're going to make a list of 20 people that we know that we care about. We're going to pray for them. We're going to engage them in a gospel conversation of some kind. And we're going to invite them to come to church with us. You know the statistics on people inviting people to church? Something like 70 to 80% of people who get invited to church will come. Think about the hundreds of people who go here now. A couple weeks ago, we had 450 people here on a Sunday morning. Just imagine what would happen if one of their 20 came with them. And if you're a family, that one of your 20 actually is like 18 people because it's you know, husband, wife, 16 kids, two vans, boom, there you are. I see you guys out there with those huge vans. I know what you're doing. You know who I'm looking at. All right. 20 people. Do you have 20 people in your life, neighbors across the street, loved ones in your family, people that you work with, strangers you meet at Price Chopper? Do you have 20 people in your life? The answer is yes. Does your family together have 20 people? Yes. Begin to pray for them. Pray that God would open a door of opportunity. Begin to invest in a relationship with them. Treat them with dignity and respect. Learn their story. Hear their story. And then interject your story. Invite them to come to church with you and to experience what you've seen in Jesus. My hope is that by, by the time this year is over, we are celebrating every Sunday baptisms from people because somebody walked across the street and shared the gospel with their neighbor. That we're seeing more and more people join our church and grow because somebody cared enough to pray for them through a challenging season and minister to them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Twenty minutes a day, twenty dollars extra a month, and twenty people in your life. What would happen? What might happen to this place in a year? Just think about this statistically. Think about that. Do you know what happens if 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 we take a conservative number and we we each give twenty dollars extra a month? Somewhere close to fifty thousand dollars at our disposal on a conservative number. But you know what? You guys don't give conservatively. You give liberally. Some of you jokers are like, 20, please, I can match that. And you're already thinking right now about ways to go beyond that. Ways to be a blessing to ministries and organizations in our community. What would happen if, if just a handful of our neighbors would join us, would attend would hear about the gospel, would trust Christ, would grow, would be baptized, and be part of our church family, we'd have to have more dynamic worship services. We'd have to add a lot more youth leaders and student leaders and children's ministry workers. We'd need more people in the nursery. 
We'd have to add and build because God would be adding and building. All right, so there's the challenge. It's pretty easy. 20 minutes, $20 and 20 people. You have a whole year. You're good to go. How are we going to do that? We're going to spend the whole month of January talking about that. Unveiling it week after week after week. Talking about how we're planning on coordinating those efforts together to celebrate them together. We're going to ask for your ideas on the the organizations and ministries we can serve. But so what? What what does all that mean for us as we look to the next year? It means we've got some work to do. It means we've got some marching orders. It means that we're going to be working together. One of the things I love most about this is that it's not something just for students to do and parents to clap. It's not something just for our seniors to do and everyone else to be jealous because they don't have the time to do it. It's not, it's not something just for young families to be part of and all of us older people going, well, my knees hurt too much. I can't go to the trampoline park. This is something we all do together. That's a true story, by the way. I've given up on the trampoline park. I thought, I thought that I was athletic enough. My chiropractor says, no, I am not. No trampolines. This is something we all do together. All of us as one. And imagine what God would do right here in this place. We're going to work together for this. And we know, we know that God works in these areas. We know he speaks to us in his word, that he communes with us through prayer. We know that he promises to to reward a harvest to those who give generously and cheerfully. And we know that he's called us to be salt and light, to be ambassadors for him. We aren't recreating anything. And we're not asking him to jump into our plans. We're jumping into his. And when we do that, we can trust that he's already going to be working there. We can look forward to great things from him. So with an eye to that challenge, we're going to start this year. And I can think of no better way to start this year than to observe the Lord's Supper together. As a sign of solidarity and unity, that we are one in Christ through faith in him. And a sign of consecration, remember back to Joshua, when he's looking at the promised land, sees the Jordan River at flood stage a mile wide, knows God called him to go forward, but there's a bit of a problem. How am I going to get there? Remember what God says, you've never passed this way before. So I'm going to send the priests in front of you, your leaders will go in front of you, they're going to hold up the Ark of the Covenant, when they touch the water, the waters will part and you follow them. You follow them as they hold up Jesus. Remember what the Ark of the Covenant was? It had the staff, Aaron the high priest, had the, the manna, the bread of heaven, had the law, the, the Ten Commandments. Remember who Jesus said he was? He says he's the great high priest. He says he's the bread of life. He says he's the word of God. As, as those leaders are exalting the presence of God, you follow them. And then he says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders among you. So as a sign of consecration today, as a sign of solidarity and unity together, we're going to observe the, Lord, observe the Lord's Supper. For us, it's a time of thanksgiving as we rejoice in what God has done for us, that he has given to us so much, that he's been gracious, that he's provided, not only in the last year, but he's provided for our souls in the sending of his son. It's a sign of unity, a sign of remembrance. It's a time of worship as we yield ourselves to his rule, his authority, his leadership, as we remember his sacrifice for us. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, 
and music will start playing. And as it does, make your way to one of these four tables. There's four of them around here. So find the one closest to you, grab the elements, return to your seats. And after everyone's been through the line, I'll come back to the stage and I'll lead us through taking those elements. So let's stand together and I'll pray. Oh, Father, we have so much on our minds today as we dream with hopefully spiritual eyes about what you want to do in our midst. God, we want to be faithful to your calling. We want to be, like Matt talked about earlier, consecrated. We want to be that living sacrifice. God, in view of all that you've done, in all the wondrous mercies of God, the only thing that makes sense, the only thing that's reasonable is for us to crawl on that altar and present ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. Lord, over this next year, I pray that our church would be marked by that concept, that we are a living sacrifice, that our minds would be transformed by the renewing, not conformed to this world, that we would be able to discern your will for our lives. God, that we would see you working, accomplishing your purposes through our efforts because we've tied our efforts to your purposes. God, as we observe the Lord's Supper today, we do so in a sense of honor and obedience recognizing that you've told us to do this until you've come. We ask for your blessing on our observance today. That the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus would, would stir our hearts today. To love, to faithfulness, to worship, to good deeds. God, that it would stir our hearts to humility. That we'd recognize all of our efforts and all of our, all of our plans. God, all of it is submitted to you. None of it, none of it matters if you're not in it. Lord, I pray that you would remind us again today of the grace and the mercy of Jesus, his love for us, and the union we share with him. In Jesus' name, amen.